Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right, I'm back. My voice is not, though. Back from Canton, Ohio. Football heaven, the Rondé Barber induction, and the party that will forever go down is the greatest, the Hall of Fame party ever. No question about that. We'll give you all the details as much as we could actually say as uh, we roll through here today on a Monday. So much to get to. We got practice this morning. I was out of Buccaneers practice this morning. A little dust up. Not shocking development. Luke Gedeke was in the middle of that, uh, getting after Devin White, who will speak today. Mm. Finally, the silence will be broken. Interesting. Boy, has he had a quiet camp, too. Like, has done very little uh, That's to, be, to be noticed, which is probably a good thing. I was going to say, that was interesting. I heard a lot of stories last week, at least on Friday's practice when I was there, that he's been having a, a very quiet camp, but yeah. a good camp overall. I don't know if it's good if you're quiet, you're not making any plays, but it's hard, you know, it's hard for a linebacker to make plays. And good morning to you, Nick Geddes. From on three sports, uh, straight off your George Strait fiasco. Fiasco. Was it, was it a fiasco? You were just telling me all the things that went wrong with it. I well, I mean, just a, just a few things that were taking place in front of me. I got hit with everything that's wrong about concerts nowadays. <laughs> got hit with everything, but no, the, the concert Mr. itself. Mr. Judgmental. Uh, very judgmental. Ju- very judgmental. But coming up. Listen, I, I just don't think you should be, you know, tonguing your girlfriend in the middle of a of a George Strait concert in the middle and right in front of me. You get a romantic song? For like two hits, minutes. It kind of hits you a certain way. Here's the thing, though. I don't have a problem Here's the thing, though. It wasn't a romantic song. <laughs> it was during a rendition of Poncho and Lefty that George Strait and Chris Stapleton did well, together, listen, and we felt the need to, to go well, tongue each maybe, other during maybe, that. Maybe that was a special moment between these two that uh, you know something was consummated at that particular time. You know, I doubt Poncho it. Poncho and Lefty was playing. And so you don't know. And then they had, and then they had the audacity to leave the concert early, too. Oh. The audacity to leave the concert early when the king is on the stage. Wow. Maybe they were trying to get a closer look. I guess so. But it was fantastic. And I almost shed a tear. Well, we'll see. That's good. So we both had a great Saturday night, I think. Oh, my gosh. Incredible. Incredible. Um, Yeah, we'll get to all that. We'll we'll try to get you the Devin White Live. We're going to give you some pieces of the Rondé Barber speech with, uh, uh, with a little bit of analysis maybe on it as well. Uh, what a what a weekend it was up in Canton, Ohio, and you know on a personal level to spend it with my son Cullen, you know who uh, Rondé um, was has been so kind to as he's growing up, you know writing him letters about playing football and um, just being a good family friend. Still calls him Cully to this day, and so that was great to be able to to do that. And I think you know for for my son to be along while. You know, I because you know he was too young when when Rondé was playing. I think to really understand, you know, he won the Super Bowl. He was four years old uh, to understand all these, you know, the Brad Johnsons and the John Lynches and Rich McKays and all the people I was talking to, and and talking to him as well. And it was that was what was really fun about that particular party is that it was all Buccaneers. You know, it was all Buccaneers. Johnny Lynch's party was you know he played for the Broncos and was working for the Forty ers so it was a lot of a lot of different stuff there, but. Um, this was all Buccaneers. It was, and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. CeeLo Green was unbelievable. He was so good. 
And if you uh, if you're a fan of James Brown as I am, and CeeLo's, that that's his kind of his his vibe and the, the horn section and, and Rondé is we're dancing CeeLo till two o'clock in the morning and all the friends and family that were there. It was just, and the venue was unbelievable. I think the Gla- I think, I think the Glazers uh, cut the check for this had to be a quarter million dollar party. Had to be quarter million. Had to be. Well, CeeLo alone's got to be a hundred free booze. I'd assume it was in this place called the still house, which is this brand new, kind of uh, country spa and they've got a big spa place and a still house and, and you know uh, kind of boutique hotels and horseback riding and all this and the still house was just beautifully appointed you walk in and it's this beautiful gorgeous bar and a huge like a huge living room almost you know very kind of dimly lit but very expensive heavy leather furniture you know and they had the bar there and, and just food like you know prime rib chicken saltambuco um, this this unbelievable food and uh, dessert, this huge huge dessert thing, and then in the still house where they make their own bourbon, and they make this bourbon. I'm I'm not a big bourbon drinker, but they had to make this one bourbon that they cure in a in a rum in a rum barrel, hmm. in a sugar rum barrel. So it has this really these really great notes of of dark rum, which is what I I drink on the rocks, and so it was like wow, this is like a perfect marriage of the two. So, yeah, Cullen, Cullen and I wrecked a lot of that. We wrecked a lot of that. That was really – and they make their own spice rum, too, which was also fantastic. We had a lot. So, like, did every every Hall of Famer, I presume, had their own party then? Yeah. yeah That's how, how it worked out? Parties, yeah, yeah. And there were you know, a bunch of Hall of Famers that came in and, you know, spent a lot of good time with Mike Allstott and, uh, and John Lynch and Brad Johnson and talking yeah. with all these guys. I love, like, some of the names that I was seeing that was there. It's guys that I haven't really – I haven't said my, their names out of my mouth in a long time. Like a Brian Kelly was there. Yes, I saw Brian Kelly, uh, Donald, Corey Ivey, Donald Penn was there. Donald I believe Donald Penn was there. Who I think yeah. is still a big dude. Oh, I, only, I didn't see like he's the. Still huge. He still looks like he's, he's a, not one of those guys that slimmed down. He didn't Joe Thomas it, did he? No, no, he is. He is humongous. By the way, I'm not saying that in a making fun way. I'm just no, he, pointing yeah, well, it he's out. not that far removed from playing. He played no, last year, I think. Well, he's a little bit. He's a couple years. Is it a couple I years? Think. Yeah. yeah. I thought he played last year, so he's not, you know, he's not the four, four or five years out where they, you know, really slim it down. But whatever, he he was there, and so many people there to represent. So many of his old teammates: John Howell, uh, Barrett Rude, um, just uh, you know, maybe not the biggest names, but guys that he played with. And Claudia, his wife, just did a fantastic job. And um, you know, and I, it was funny because I, I was there with CeeLo, and we're like, you know, ten yards away from him, and I, right in front of me was uh, Brian. Uh, Glazer and his wife, and and I'm just gonna hear it say they were they were kind of getting down. They were kind of getting down with CeeLo. I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, the Glazers were getting down. Brian was. Joel's very much reserved, but Brian was. Yeah, they were getting down. I, I chatted with him for a long time. We had we had great chat and just uh just you know good good people, good family people. We you know talking. They've got five and six year old now. He's still living in Tampa and. uh you know, we I, we're going back to our our bachelor days when you know before he got married, and we would be at some of the same parties and like, you know, just we're like, yeah, we we had some interesting conversations back in the day, but um, yeah, just you know, and they're such great owners, and I just want to give it up to them, and and they've really you know befriended Rondé. Rondé's like, you know, one of one of their I don't want to say kids because he's their contemporary, more like their brother, and um, and they just have, have just become such a great partnership, you know, and Rondé's such a big part of the team still and a big part of the community. Uh, it was just it was just really uh, one of those moments in time 
where a lot of the relationships that I've had in my life kind of come together in a very grand way. And it, it just felt like it was a, it was a family party. It was for, you know, Rondé was the guest of honor, but it was a family party for that, that era of Buccaneers football, you know, that 97 to, you know, 2010, that whole era that, uh, that, that was interesting. And, and I thought the speech was fantastic. I thought, I thought he really, I don't know what it felt like from your perspective, but from my perspective, I thought, you know, he hit a theme of being uncommon. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fantastic. And there was one line in there that he, that he put in there. It was something that, you know, I think it was on this show that I said it and he, and he was like, I like, he goes, I like that. He goes, oh, but I, and I said, feel free to use that. And it was the line where he said, you know, I said, you know, he, he did things others, others could not and would not yes. do. Yeah. He did say that in there. Would not do. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's always been my yeah. thing about Rondé is he, there's so many, you, know, you look at Dion great careers, like he said, and Darrell Rebus, and these guys were made to be pro football cornerbacks. Right. You know, he was different. He was uncommon, and he had to do things differently. And he did things, and it wasn't just because, listen, he's a very talented player. He's a very talented player. You know, faster than you think, way stronger than you think, but between the ears and and then what's in the chest, that's what made him really different Mm -hmm. and made him uncommon. Um, the way he studied tape, his preparation, but more than that, his guts, his guts and toughness and willing to do things that other players just would not do because they were either afraid of getting hurt or it would not prolong their career. And interestingly enough, ironically, it's kind of, uh, you know, something that is kind of diametrically opposed where the, the tougher you do things, the harder you do things, you know, you'd think the more injuries you're going to get. It was just the opposite for him. Right. He toughened himself up so much that he was – you know, impregnable. It, I think he, he said just, that too. Not a game missed in like a 16-year stretch. 215 games in a row. 215 games in a row. And that's and that's for a 5'10", 185-pound guy playing in the box. Right. Playing in the box. Right. No. <laughs> I, think I'll, about that. Yeah. And to that's, be. That's not, and people say, well, that's, that's lucky. Of course, there's some luck to it. But that's sheer will. Yeah. That's just sheer will. And we listened to when he talked too, and he, he mentioned, you know, he thought he was going to get cut maybe potentially yeah. after year two. He was a free agent after four years and had no other options but to stay with Tampa Bay. And then Mike Tomlin came in, and I guess the rest was history after that. Yeah. And to be the significance of that, to be, what, 371 players have made the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I believe. And, and dare I say not one of them was drafted in the third round and didn't play their first year. Very I would, rare, I'd assume. Very rare. But the very fact, rare. that's what I'm saying. I thought about it. It's like, you know, we... I don't have time to do the math and all that, but it's a lot to do. But, you know, you got 90 guys in camp every single year, right, 32 right, teams. Right. You try to just factor that out and how long the NFL's been around. What is it, 70-something years? Yeah. Or no, it's over 100 years, actually. I, I, I went we to just the did the 100 Canton, years. Canton Hall of Fame. Right. I, went right, I saw the documents right there, yeah. Yeah, over 100 years, and 371 players are in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And for Rondé Barber to be one of those guys, just considering his start and kind of the limitations, mm-hmm. I guess, he had coming into the league, it's an insane story, and it doesn't, it doesn't happen without being uncommon and willing to do things that yeah. others are not. And so that was kind of like the theme I picked up as well. It felt like somebody who can finally rest. Like they've said, spent, I'm, I'm done being an angry worker. Like it felt like he said it, you know, it's like 26 years of trying to convince everybody of, you know, of what I did and, and prove people wrong. Right. And now it culminated into that moment. So now he can rest. Yeah. He's proved everything he needed to. There's nothing else to do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a, there was probably a, 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 a level of, 
that celebration at the party where he just there was just this overarching joy around him and through him that you see. I, I, I think it's the first time I've ever kissed another man on the lips. And my my son my son got a picture of it. Uh, I don't know. It's, I'm sorry. It just kind of happened. Who'd you kiss on the lips? Rondé. Oh my. It just kind of happened, you know. And uh, it was, uh, but he, you know, he just gave me just this huge bear hug, and because I didn't see him, I didn't see him all day really, until the party, and until like I saw him a couple times. He went by, and, and you know, he's, you know, going with other people. So I really didn't get to to dress him until like eleven o'clock at night, like when we were both hammered. <laughs> Well. And so, because I wasn't going to push it, you know, I, I knew I'd see him and talk to him at, at some point. And then we probably spent the last hour and a half together, you know, dancing and just acting a fool and chatting. And it was, it was really, you know, it was really uh, rewarding on, on so many levels. And just, you know, it, I, you cover, you cover guys and I've covered thousands and thousands of athletes and made friends of many of them, but this is just at, at, a, at a different level. And um, so happy for him. So happy it's almost like, you know, a member of your family just becoming, getting that validation of his lifelong career. And it was, it was tremendous. So, and we're going to get into the race here. Um, uh, Messi, Bryson D. Bichambeau, United States Women's National Team. In fact, let's, let's get into some of that right now in our first segment. And then we'll, um, we'll get to Rondé's speech in our next segment because I want to hit on some of these topics. Um, the Rays go 6-3 and three on the road trip, which was great. Won three series in a row for the first time since 2019. That's all good, but Shane McClanahan, unless something miraculous happens, looks like he's going to get the dreaded TJ. We don't know that yet, but he's, you know, he's seeking an, a fifth opinion, I think, or whatever number it is, going out to California to get that. And, to know, a doctor who has treated other Tommy John surgeries. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, if, if, it, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It's just, it's just something every day with this team, man. Yeah, it's so and it's, it's stuff that's out of their control. And yeah. I, it's like McClanahan, you have that going on. Well, that came out on what, Saturday, I think. And then yesterday, it's like we wake up to the news that Tyler Glasnow is not going to start a game because of back spasms and it's like that one it's like I don't really that's not that serious I mean the dude is what six foot eight six foot nine I'd imagine there's plenty of times in his life where he's got back issues it's just like we've talked about this he's such a physical freak right it just you know to do what he does uh, you know on a day or every five days at that level at that exertion level with all the shit that's going on in that six foot eight body to get everything in line mm-hmm. and, and just and it's you know it, it's represented in his career numbers he's never done more than 14 starts and it's not i hate knocking the guy because i like him so much it's just not a knock it's just it is what it is no, he's so damn good he's yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the elite pitchers and i I, incredible. I told you beginning of the year that when tyler glasnow is at his best i think his best is better than shane mcclanahan's best i would agree not with a that. dig on, on shane mcclanahan i would agree with that i just think glasnow's potential has just always been through and the both roof. of them are cy young levels exactly I mean that's rare. That's that's rarefied air, right? To be able to have that kind of ability. Right. And what's this? This is this number four just this year. Of what? TJ. Well, we had Springs go down. We had Rasmussen go down. So does Baz kind of count in that as well? Because he got his at what the end of last year. Yeah. So yeah. you throw, but just throwing guys in that are typically in the rotation. Yeah. There's three, and then McClanahan, if this is what happens, would make four. And that would be ten in four years, I believe, which is second most in Major League Yeah, and then Kittredge is the other one, but yeah. he's, he, he, by the way, he probably is going to be here pretty soon. He looks damn good in AAA. Good, good. He's throwing good. like 96-97 last night. Good. 
Um, but yeah, this is kind of like my fear now with this team. And we mentioned this at the beginning of the year about what's going to stop this team. And, you know, injuries was one of the things we pointed to. They've had such great injury luck for the most part in their lineup throughout the season. Yeah. Starting pitching, they've been able to piece it together. They just had so much depth that they've been able to have still have the best pitching staff in the league. But it's like... How many, how many more Band-Aids, I guess, can you continue to put on? How many on? more Erasmo Ramirez's? Can yeah, you and you know, that's great that he was able to get through three innings yesterday, but it's Erasmo Ramirez, man. Yeah. He was starting games for this team in 2017 where they were going nowhere. Yeah. And here he is. And, like, I mean, Zach Littell just gave you six innings. Like, he, all, is he like is he doing the Drew Rasmussen? I, <laughs> like, I don't know what these guys – their pitching resume is at is, is – the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen and then the most tragic thing I've ever seen at the same time. Right. I've never seen a team be able to just go find guys that were DFA'd by four teams and turn them into, you know, a a number three starter or a back end of the bullpen guy. I've never seen a team do this. They're just incredible at finding metrics and then honing them and combining them with their analytics and their scouting to make guys really, really good. The back end of that is, though, they put too much pressure on their arms or their mechanics or whatever, and they break down. I mean, that's that's uh, that's what you have to conclude from the last, what, five to seven years of Rays baseball. So the bottom line is they get it done. Their pitching numbers are among the most elite in baseball almost every single mm-hmm. year. So I, you want to criticize it, but you can't criticize the results. The no, results are great. It's just very... It's very unorthodox the way they do it. Yeah, and again, I think, you know, pitching injuries, I think I said this on Friday when you were first talking about Shane's injury. The pitching injuries, the stress on the elbow, a part of the, most of this is just a factor of where the game is right now. Yeah. It almost seems inevitable at some point. Mm, no. High velocity has always resulted in Tommy John. Yeah. Funky arm angles has always resulted in Tommy John. And that's what the Rays and, do. And those two things are more prevalent in the game today than I think they've ever yeah. been. And I think that's part of it. You know, you could talk about the other things. Are these guys being not worked enough, potentially? You know? Uh, I don't know the answers to it. It just I don't know the numbers, obviously. I know every team deals with injuries, but it just seems like this team just has the worst luck when it comes to it. It really does. And it's like, I don't want it to derail a season, because if you're looking at it just from an objective standpoint... Yes, you still have Glasnow, you still have Eflin, you still have Savale, and if Zach Littell's going to be a, a guy here that we can count on now, you still have all that. But, I mean, just not having your ace-ace and Shane McClanahan, that's tough. Got that's no tough shot. to get through. You got no shot. No shot. No shot. With an inconsistent offense, a very inconsistent and streaky well, offense. Right now they're, they're on the right side of the streakiness. Yeah. Uh, going to Detroit, we'll we'll do that. Uh, but they won three big. They won three series. What Astros, Yankees, Tigers? Yeah, I, I, one I, of those I put it in teams. the I put it in the title today, and I know Buck's basement disagrees, but I I think it was an excellent road trip. I really do. They didn't need to win eight games on this road trip to make it excellent. You, you win go six and three. And win you go, three you series. go six and three on the road, trip, especially especially yeah. for a team that has not played as well on the road this year. That was great to see. And they entered this road trip literally on like the worst slump you could be on. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. And they've been able to get out of it. And some of their big boppers who needed to get going have gotten going on this road trip as well. Bucks basement said, "Good morning, Chris Cole." Said, "I uh, wouldn't say excellent. Excellent would have been sweeping the absurd visible Tigers." <laughs> And advancing on the Orioles, now they're three games back. They were one and a half. That's the thing. You go six and three and you lose ground because the Orioles are playing so well. Um, 
How about the Noles getting safety recruit K.J. Bolden? Clearly the Noles are making moves. Uh, my son and I, my son who's a bigger Noles fan than I, um, were, were, were uh, driving to Rondé's party listening to that live. K.J. Bolden's, uh, uh, we were on one of the, the Noles sites. And, uh, I think it was on three. So on three, your, your site. And we got him. We got K.J. Bolden. Of course, now we got, we got uh, uh, how many months till December? The five months. I think this just starts the bidding. You got to hold on. I think when you get a commitment to somebody, right in these classes, it just starts the bidding war. That's where it starts. No, right yeah, now. the Travis Hunter thing has ruined right. everything. Right. It's like okay, so now you got a commitment. Whoop de do. Right. Um, you know, now we now we'll trade we'll trade offers for the next six months or whatever it is, and see who mm-hmm. comes out on top. Which, by the way, um, over the weekend the Pac-12 dissolves. A hundred-year league just dissolves. Over the weekend, well, they haven't course, officially dissolved, but well, unofficially, it's imploded. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's weird. It's mm-hmm. just we, it's progress, I guess. It's it's it, it was inevitable. But this this goes to show you, when you don't take care of your business and do what's right, eventually things are going to crumble. And I think that's what happened with the Pac-12. And the other part of it is is the reality of West Coast and California in particular. They don't care. They don't care about college athletics like the rest of the country does. They just don't. It it does mean more in the SEC <laughs> and the Big Ten and the Big 12. They just don't have the fan bases, the eyeballs. It's just not a big deal out there. And and so I think that's one of the biggest reasons just the interest wasn't as big. Mm-hmm. And USC and UCLA are like, look, we're brands. Um, we're getting the hell out of here where nobody really cares about it. And we'll go play in stadiums where they do. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a good move. Now, vis-a-vis Florida State. <laughs> Have you? I'm sure you saw all the Saudi memes over the weekend. When they I did, and I, I I didn't make sense of those. So Florida State has done something that's groundbreaking. Um, you know, all these private equity firms that are um, Saudis in particular. There are others that are investing in sports, mm-hmm. right? They, you know, basically they're they're buying into teams, infusing them with cash against future earnings. Well, that's where Florida State is right now. They are they are uh, they are a brand that's going to bring in hundreds of millions of dollars. You know why the grant of rights screws them over and the ACC, a deal that was horrifically done by a bunch of people at Florida State that were completely incompetent, by the way, that did that deal, had no idea what they were doing. And this is what happens when you don't pay attention to what's important, your core values, your core business, you lose it. And Florida State was on the precipice of doing that. And had they hired that other athletic director from Louisville, probably would would not be where they are today but with mike alford and and will and uh and drew weatherford and others at the helm that know what they're doing people that are now running this that know what they're doing are well connected um, by the way michael kelly i'll throw in there and will weatherford i'll throw in there the people that are now running the deal at usf know what they're doing they know what they're doing and they are going to they are going to prosper by this don't be fooled by one in eleven. It's not what's important. Okay, it's the infrastructure that Michael Kelly has built, and the stadium, and the money that they know they are worth in their market. So, good news for USF people. You're in, you're in good position, despite you know Michael's. And we'll just be honest. He'll, he'll be the first one to tell you he's he's whiffed on some hires, is what it is. But he's the, the, he's done the real work. That need that needed to be done to put them in possession to get a position to get into a good conference. So I think they're in a good set. As far as Florida State goes, 
this private equity deal gives them leverage. It gives them leverage to say to the ACC, look, you need to check. We'll cut it to you right now. But we ain't staying. We're out of here. And, what, and, and, and if you listen to the Drew Weatherford, and I played it for my son, he wanted to listen. If you listen to his interview with us, go back and listen to it. He talked about a third option. We said Big 12, SEC, and a third option. And, that, and, he, and he talked a lot about the other teams in the ACC should be pissed off as well. And if they can get eight teams to leave, the league dissolves, they don't have an exit fee. Right. But it sounded, like, it sounded like, the AC, at least North Carolina, there was that thing on Friday, their AD is like pissed off at Florida State. <laughs> is he? Right. He's pissed off because Florida State is taking care of their own. Florida State, this, they've, they've told the conference for quite some time now, you need to fix this. You need to fix this. I don't know how you – and listen, they have a deal with ESPN, okay? You can fix that. Mm-hmm. You can fix that. It's a contract. And, and, and don't, don't underestimate what's going on here. Because if Florida State leaves for the Big Ten, where are their games? Fox, not ESPN. So – and all this reporting you hear from ESPN and it's, on the uh, ACC, by it, the way, it be, uh, take it with a grain of salt. It would be CBS as well, right? Because now they are, they're now the Big Ten, no longer the SEC. Right, right. Well, yeah, right. So ESPN you know, is not interested in watching Clemson, Miami, and Florida State walk away from the ACC. Those are huge television properties for them. So they've got some – but they've done nothing but entrench with this grant of rights deal. And so Florida State said, okay, fine. And we don't, you know, and I love this about this administration. The past administration was all about, oh, we got to take care of our friends in the ACC, and we're going to make sure Wake Forest is okay, and make sure NC State is okay, and we don't, you know, we don't. Uh, look, no, sorry, <laughs> sorry. If you want to compete at the highest level, if you want to compete at the highest level, that's not the way to go about it, okay? If you're talking about some academic stuff, fine. You want to compete at the highest level. You cannot compete with what the ACC is doing. And this is a problem that Florida State has had from the very beginning with ACC. They've never been serious about competing in football. Never. They have always, and this is, this is where the rubber has finally met the road. You're not going to be able to compete at the highest level in basketball or football or all your other sports unless you have a grant of rights deal that is going to pay you market value. And Florida State has propped up that league for way too long. And in the past administrations, we're, we're all into that bull crap. And this administration is, nah, sorry. McCullough, the, the, the president, the, and, and, and the board of trustees, and Mike Alford, they are businessmen. And they know what the hell's going on. And so they are buttoned up, and they are ready. And if you don't think Florida State has a place to land, which is another stupid-ass thing I'm seeing out there, trust me. If the SEC and Heather Dennett, you <laughs> love you, Heather. But she said, I asked Greg Sankey if they've had any conversations with Florida State, and he said no. And Paul Feinbaum's like, without saying what he needs, he goes, he's, what else is he going to tell you, Heather? Of course, I, I, well, we, yes, we are behind the scenes um, uh, uh, taking, uh, taking legal steps that will get us sued uh, if they became public knowledge. Yeah. No, this stuff goes on behind closed doors, folks. Trust me. Yeah, and we're like, what are we? Um, so don't, you know, for, oh, FSU's going to end up like San Diego State. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I, there's, like, <laughs> why are people, like, just underestimating the value of that brand? I don't want, I don't understand uh, that one, but. It's just stupid. It's it just is what stupid. it is, but yeah, so we're, what are we, eight days away, and all this stuff happens really quickly, to the point where, like, even Friday, like, and I, 
of course this is how it happens. I wake up on Friday and there was a report from Nicole Auerbach from the the Athletic who's on top of all this and it was like the the Washington Oregon deal has lost steam. Exactly. Might be yeah. dead. Yeah, it's dead. And then I tell you that on the show and then like an hour later it's official, they're moving on. And I'm right. like, this thing's like I don't understand how that they quickly these things happen, they yeah. change. There's I don't There's a lot of misinformation out it's there. It's just it's all over the place right now, and you know, as much as I've been saying, this is the world we live in now in college football. You have to adapt or die, essentially, and you can't worry about the little guys. It doesn't mean I have to like it. No, I think the not, over, the over, not. the over, the grand scheme of things here, I fail to see how this is good for college athletics as a whole. I'm not just saying college football. As college athletics, if you are a fan of sports, college sports and college football, how in the world could you actually love this? Because all the traditions, all the rivalries, all the things that made college sports unique, exactly. unique is the, is the key word there, 100%. are all being ripped away from you. Right. And as somebody who's very nostalgic about those things, and we all are, that's the part that sucks. It sucks. I don't have any interest, this is just me, mm-hmm. in seeing Oregon and Iowa playing each other in October. Right. Right. I just don't. No. You might have interest in that, but I can't imagine no. the overbearing, the over marching people do no so i, I think at the, in the end it's it's terrible the and the other sports i think about too when regards to now we have schools playing on the other sides of the country maybe for football it's not a big deal but what about the other sports well it it, it becomes a financial drain but what happens is you'll have you'll have divisions you'll have divisions where all the geographic teams will be together and they'll play you know a lot more than they play the other teams and they'll come they'll probably come together at the beginning of season in a neutral place and all play a tournament you know cuz they're all in the same league you know with ba- you know softball or or you know rowing or whatever I'm and they'll sorry, come, that's and not... they'll come together at the end of the year so whatever that's not college sports it's man. not and and this is what i've been talking about for 20 years get your house in order have some effing leadership. Somebody, and, and see, the NCAA could have done this. Yeah, like why is it, my other thing too, and I don't pretend to understand how these deals are made. Why does it seem like it's so easy to like just blow everything up in college football? Because why is it so easy? Because like, it could be like literally one day it's like, oh, we're showing interest in going to the, the Big Ten, right? It's, we, we have interest in going to the Big Ten. To immediately, oh, we're having a meeting on campus. Oh, our people have approved it. Oh, we've just applied. Oh, we've just accepted it. Like, it feels like it happens. It's because like, the money is that so quick. It, because the money, everybody is chasing the money. Flor- you know, admittedly, Florida State is chasing the money. But you have to understand. Right, and I understand Florida they State have understand, to. Florida State understands this core value. They were a second-rate, hate to say, rinky-dink, born-of-a-woman's college university in the 50s and 60s and 70s and some degree to, to the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And then Bobby Bowden came along. And Bobby Bowden transformed that school from a national uh, to a national brand. So much so that all these students started wanting to go to Florida State by seeing them on television and then when you get more people applying to your university, you can be more selective about your students. You get better students. You get better – who become better boosters, who get you more money. The boosters give more money to the school. The school grows. They get a mag lab. They get this. They get that and the other. You look up in 2020, and they're the one of the biggest brands in college football. They are a top research university in the world with their mag lab. They're one of the best academic places. You now need a 1400 SAT to get into Florida State University. Mm-hmm. It's transformed the entire thing. 
And that's what our universe should should our our athletic departments be charged with doing this for the universities? No. Should they should we have huge athletic departments part of our academic core of universities? No. Nobody else does that in the world, but that's how it evolved. It just kind of evolved that way. And that what twenty years ago, had we had some leadership at the NCAA and saw this coming and said, Look, guys, this old amateur athlete model you know, we got to get rid of that. We got to pay the players. We have we're we're now not making you know a couple hundred thousand dollars a game on ticket revenue like they did in the fifties and sixties and seventies. We're now making we're bringing in tens of millions of dollars in ticket revenue, hundreds of millions of dollars in television revenue. And the game has changed. It's changed dramatically. So you have to evolve. And if we had some leadership at the time, they would have said. Exactly what you said. We have to, above all, keep the tradition, keep the regional rivalries. This is what makes us unique. That will make us more money in the end. So we have to get together as a collective and take care of this business, pay the players who are producing the revenue in some way. So we can take care of that to avoid all legal challenges that are going to eventually come our way, which has been the precursor for all this money chasing. Then we're going to get all television contracts together. And we're going to negotiate our television contracts together as one entity, not 12 different conferences. So we all have to come together and get that done. Then we can have standardized rules across the sport, and we don't have to break up all these different – what it now has come to, a big money grab and a money chase – that has destroyed the, the traditions yeah. of college I've, I've accepted. I've accepted now, in my opinion, this goes for all sports, actually, because I'm just thinking of all the things that have just, just irritated me lately. I think sports in general might have peaked. Oh, yeah. Of what they used to be. Yeah, I, I said that about five years ago. Yeah, I'm probably late to the party, but yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just thinking of other things. It's just, it's like, get your bag, yes. I have no problem with that. But when it becomes 100% about money and money only and everything else just comes secondary, right. that's when I, as a fan start to get a little irritated. And I had another example of that on Friday night because as you might have you were obviously uh uh up in up in Cleveland I believe. So this didn't really affect you. And I don't know if anybody else had this problem but the Rays were playing the Tigers and I got all settled in to watch the Rays play on Friday night, yeah, right? They were on TBS. Um, no, they were on Apple TV. Apple TV, yeah. Friday okay, night. and they make it sound so easy. You just got to sign in with your account and you get in. <laughs> Guess what? It didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen. You want to why? It didn't work. Right. It didn't work. I had a, there was something on the website that was not working. I don't know if it was just me or if anybody else had issues. And that happens a lot. It happens a lot. And even whenever I get to watch those broadcasts, they ended up being they end up being very spotty and everything. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, you don't know exactly. And I thought to myself then, great. I thought to myself then, like, what what are we doing as a society with sports? Yeah. And it's all just money making ventures. That's it to the to the detriment of the product and to the detriment of your own fan base. Yeah. To where I couldn't even watch the game. I missed the entire game Friday right, night. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. And now we talk about this stuff. Well, it's the, the all Dod- about these damn TV rights, man. I think, I think the Dodgers went three years without being on the dominant cable station in L.A. Like, you couldn't even watch the Dodgers in Los Angeles because of these, 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 these TV rights beefs that come up. Like, like, we still, stupid. hold up, we still in this city yeah. for the last three years, yeah. if, you, if you have Frontier, you can't even watch the Rays of the Lightning. Right. We're three years into this dispute between, between Bally's or whatever and Frontier Network, which is what, the biggest or the second biggest cable provider second. in the entire city? First, Are you freaking second. kidding me? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The fact that you can't turn on, just turn on your TV and watch your game, like, and I don't, I don't want to sound like, you know, 
old grumpy dude. I don't give a damn. But it should be that easy. It, it should, should be, be very easy. easy. It should be that easy. Because now I got games on Apple TV. I got games on Peacock. I got games on Bally's. I got games on TBS. I got them on MLB Network. I got them on MLB Free Path. They're all over the place, man. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. And it's no good. And as far as, you know, vis-a-vis college football, it's just, no. And when this is all said and done, we're going to, you know, the Florida State-Florida rivalry is in jeopardy. All the, the Florida State Miami rivalry looks like, like it's about, get, it's going goodbye. Like if I get a, you know if I get an FSU schedule that doesn't include Florida Miami, what are we doing? As a like, as a doing? as a fan, how is that? But but oh, but you get to play. Uh, well, let me just throw a random big team out there for. Oh, but I get Iowa to, State. Yeah, I get to play Iowa State, or I get to play Iowa. Like sorry, oh my goodness, sorry, that makes Rocco. up for it. <laughs> Does that really make back. up for it? No, no. Come on, it's, no, it's pointless. It's pointless. I don't you know, and even the like even Illinois. FSU Illinois, eh, meh. Yeah, meh. That's where F- I go. FSU meh. Wisconsin. Oh, they get to go up to Madison. I'm okay yeah. with that. FSU the, Indiana. That moved the needle for you? No, no. I'm going to Bloomington. No, no. Um, FSU Penn State. Yeah, yeah. FSU. But you. But you want me to replace FSU Florida with FSU Penn State? No, thank you. No. Hell, even as a, even, even as a host, even Ohio State. I was going to say. Oh, but you get to play Ohio State every year over Miami. Don't want it. I'd rather play Miami. Don't want it. Don't want it. No, that's, what's the point? What's the effing point of college football if you're not going to have these traditional rivalries? It's, it's we've lost. We've lost the plot yeah. of what yeah. made college sports yes. successful and yes. college football in particular the second college. biggest sport yes. in the entire country. And that's why the SEC is still the biggest because they've preserved their rivalries and traditions. Yeah, and everybody gives them gives them shit about everybody that. Everybody else is going in Oklahoma, Texas. You you know you can bring people in and still and, and and to some degree they are losing a little bit of their rivalries with new scheduling because they have to make room for these new teams coming mm-hmm. in. Um, but I think you can you can that's palatable vis-a-vis you know USF. No, it, but Boise I, State. Yeah, but Nobody I will cares. I will say the SEC is the only thing remaining. To me, that can keep the tradition yeah. of college football alive. And listen, to their credit, and I, 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 I say the, this: I think the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten, the Big Ten could, but the Big Ten is going out there on this purge and acquiring everybody they can, and they're probably not done. The SEC really has only added Oklahoma and Texas. and Texas. That's it, which has gutted the Big Twelve, by the way. So it gutted the Big Twelve, but the Big Twelve at least has shown an initiative to bring in the other big players Big that 12, remaining. What Big Twelve traditions remain? I mean, the big ones were Oklahoma and Texas, gone, and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, gone. Gone, yeah. So, I guess, to your point, the big the big ones are gone, yeah. Right. But you got BYU and Utah now, what that's worth. Yeah. It just, and that's why I say, and these conferences are talking, these super conferences are talking about going to all conference games. No. no they, again, that would, you know, Florida State and Miami, unless they go to jump to the same league. No, I was going to say real quick, real quick, because I know we've got to hit a break, but just this question, I mean, you could answer on the other side, but, like, from where Florida State could go from here, because the Big Ten, I don't know if they've decided they're done yet or they want to keep adding. Who knows what's going on in the SEC, but we did have the interview with Weatherford where he said that it could be another option outside of those two. Third and like, option. Doesn't the Big 12, when you think about it, almost make, in a way, the most sense if For you're a Florida State and Clemson? How so? You continue to be the A brands in your conference – you keep that rivalry together, which has really come on in the last, what, 10, 15 years, I'd say? Mm-hmm. So you bring that tradition over to the Big 12. You still get the crazy money from the media rights deal that the Big 12 just got, right? So it keeps you competitive with the SEC and the Big 10. Mm-hmm. And from a competitive advantage, 
which I don't know if the grand scheme matters, the Big 12 is weaker than the other two conferences. True, true. So if you're Florida State, it's not exactly a lateral move because the Big 12 is better than the ACC, the rest of the ACC, but you get the money influx, you stay Mm -hmm. the A brand, Mm -hmm. and you get a more desirable schedule. It's not a bad option, but it's not as good as the SEC or Big 10. No, but I mean from a... It wouldn't be the worst option. And there may be a third option, another option. Or a fourth option. Whereas... All the teams, you know, the breakaway teams from the ACC, the eight, if they can get eight, then they don't have to pay an exit fee. They start a new conference. With the Pac-12? And with what's left over from the Pac-12. And then maybe cherry-pick then maybe cherry-pick a couple others that maybe people aren't thinking about. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Yeah, USF. Yeah, my USF Bulls going here. Yeah, could be. Could be. <laughs> now, that I think would be the, the least desirable. Of it the, would. Of, you know, I, I, I don't think it would be. So I, th- I think it's going to be Big Ten or SEC. I think it's going to be Big Ten or SEC. I, people in the know I've heard are saying SEC. Yeah, the SEC has been kind of quiet on this, yeah. so that tells me that something's going on. Yeah, there's something going on. They're not sitting on the sideline. I just I have a hard time understanding the economics of it, how they when adding, because you add Clemson and Florida State, you're not capturing any television markets you don't already have. And you're bringing in two brands that are just going to make it harder for everybody else to win games. Your, your, your league is just ridiculous. If Florida State and Clemson at, are added to the SEC, then that, that just lead just beats you up. Wait, where's the SEC at right now? They're at 16 teams, right? Yes. So they have, if they added Florida State and Clemson, you presume they want to get to 20. Hear me out. I'd throw Duke and Kentucky together in there. For basketball? No. Yeah. No. I would just round it out with that, and there's your 20. Because you still bring in two crazy, at well, least Kentucky's in... Kentucky's already in the SEC. Oh, yeah, you're, I'm thinking yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. North Carolina. Yeah. Because those two, I think, are more, even in some cases, Duke is almost a world brand. It is. It is. Yeah. But basketball, college basketball is just... I know, but... It's just not the brand it used to be. No, it's just, but... It's like college football. I mean, college football just runs everything. Basketball used to be like here, and now it's just down here. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, ba- oh yeah, basketball. Yeah. Well, they don't bring in a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, from a, from a, from a uh, but they do bring a lot of revenue because of game, a lot of games and a lot of TV. So that's the, that is that is part of it. So it's a mess. It's an effing mess, <laughs> and I just wish that there would have been some leadership along the way that could have kept you know college sports the way it was, but they're not. All right, we'll take a quick break here. Sorry we went over. Boy, we went way over. Lots to talk about. These are big stories, folks. These are huge, effing stories. We're brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S, lawgroup.com. Get the personal attention you so richly deserve from Scott Jeeves and his great team of attorneys over there. They will represent you vigorously and get you a settlement that will make you very, very happy, and they'll call you back. It won't just be a number like with some of those big other firms. It's the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S, lawgroup.com. Go to the website, contact them from there. Tell them JP sent you. Back with some anecdotes from the Rondé Barber speech, and we'll play some of it as well. Stay with us. Hey, guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? 
It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls. But as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. 
I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. Only just begun. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show, brought to you by Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. They got the great true body machine over there. Get yourself on that so you don't have to do 50,000 sit ups. They'll do it for you. It just activates your core and gets those muscles working, and they're getting great, great results with that. So, um, if you want to get on that machine, I highly recommend it. Go to BAMMC.com. You want to get your testosterone right, guys? Please, please get that done. That'll make a, such a difference in your life. And uh, 50% of males have far less testosterone, or I believe testosterone levels have come down 50% since the 70s and the 80s. And that's not by, uh, that's not just happenstance, folks. And you need to do something about it. You need to do something about it. So go see. Uh, Chris Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, and he will help you out with that big time. Hey, uh, real quick before we move on, just we're in the nostalgic mood today. We are. How about this one? On this day in 1999, uh, Wade Boggs, the 3,000th hit, the home run. Uh, the 23rd member of the 3,000 hit club and the first one to do it on a home run on this day in 1999. 20 years ago. 23 years ago. years ago. No, 24 years ago. Wow. 24 wow. years ago. Damn. Time flies. Did not seem that long. I know. Ago. There you go. Wow. Um, all right. So um, speaking of nostalgia, uh, and by, by the way, we're, we're efforting uh, and uh, Devin White, who's going to speak today. A couple things on Bucks Camp today. I was out there today. Um, 
You know, it's very interesting. You know, fans were out there today. Mm -hmm. And I'll put the video up uh, a little bit later on. Every time Kyle passed through, Kyle Trath threw a pass. QB1, QB1. Cheers. Baker throws a pass now. It's like, and he, you know, he doesn't connect. Boo. Oh, my. Boo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, holy shit, like, this has switched. They got Gator flan- fans plants in there or yeah, something. Yeah, uh, week one, it was like Baker, woo, Baker, Baker, Baker. And and now it's all, it's very pro-Kyle Trask, which is kind of interesting. It doesn't mean anything. It's just not, not going to sway the coaches. It's just interesting. And I, this, this uh, you know, interception count has just gotten out of hand. And we're, a, a bunch of us in media, Sal Pals, I checked, talked with Sal Pal Antonio there. Um, at uh, at camp and um, also um, Mike Sando, another one of the pro uh, football uh, Canton voters, and we were talking about a lot of different things. But one of the things we we're talking about is this, this interception. And Scott Reynolds was talking about. It. It, it, we're talking about in, in numbers of interceptions, folks. There's so many things that go into interceptions and who's throwing them and who's not. It, it is by far not the biggest barometer in practice about who's doing well and who's not because. Professionals, like Brady th- would throw a lot. Not, I want to say a lot of picks, but he would throw picks in practice because he's pushing the envelope. He wants to see how far he can go to get get a completion because when it's third and 15, you're not going to have a big window to throw in. Okay, mm-hmm. you get, That's when you have, you have to decide, this is the time I have to take a chance. How much of a chance do I have to get? Like how, and for this particular receiver, what's his catch radius? And the only way to find that out and find is to test your limits, and that's a great time to do it. Is in practice, see what you can get away with, and see what you can't. And that that imprints on your mind. It's like, okay, I was I was a tick late on throwing that ball, but I still got it there. So I and that goes into the you know the memory bank. I can still get it done with that particular guy. Um, I was a tick late throwing that, and guess what? This particular receiver did not attack the ball like I expected him to do, and ended up a pick. But now I know. So are you? So, He's had five years in the league. He knows in order right. to get better, he's got to you know play on the edge sometime and see what you know how far he can take it and how different receivers. So, are react. so you feel that Kyle Trask needs to take more chances at some point during camp? Yeah, if you're not throwing any interceptions, you're not taking enough chances, and if you're not taking enough chances, you're not getting better. But I understand what he's doing. But this is the difference between a Kyle Trask and a Baker Mayfield in terms of training camp. Baker's Baker's focused on getting better as a quarterback and, and finding out what these guys can do, receivers that is, and he can do at, at the highest level. Like, where's the edge here? How far can I push it? Whereas Kyle's just like, I'm not going to throw any in- interceptions, so, you know, that's what I've been told to do. It's it's just a, it's a different maturation process, and the coaches understand this. Like, like for instance, in a one-on-one drill today uh, – I was talking with Matty Matera about this, and he put it out, a computer report, he put it out on Twitter. The one-on-one drill is a quarterback, you got to throw the ball. You have to throw the ball because they're doing a one-on-one, and at some point you have to throw the ball. So if you have a receiver that can't get loose from the from a DB, and you still got to throw the ball, and he, it just means the DB is better than that receiver. Like in a game, he wouldn't throw that ball, but it gets picked up because you're, the drill is for – the defensive backs and the receivers, right? And some somewhat for the court for the quarterback, but it's more about you know getting open 
and and if you can't get open, if you're blanketed and the guy's got to throw the ball, it's going to get picked. That's not something that would happen in the game. And, right, and you're saying those are types INTs that are getting charted? Because I thought yes. the ones that were getting charted were just the ones like no. in like the 7-on-7, 11-on-11s. No, no, they're all getting charted. And, and, and the media reports them. The media reports them, but you know, and as Matt did in that tweet, you have to report. Well, I guess I guess the flip side of that is, you know, Trask is going through the same drills as Baker. Yeah. And so, what is he doing? Is he just throwing the ball well, away? Not or? all. Not all the. Not all the. Yeah, you could do that, but not all the receivers. Not all the receiving drills are, uh, or the interceptions are in team, you know, or or just in one on ones. This is all. You know, we get reports on all different. And again, you don't know the context of the actual play. Right. If it's it's, you know, it's hard. If it's fourth and you know seventeen, and you throw a pick, that's okay. You know, because yeah. you're, you know, it's an end of game and it's fourth to 17. It's better than eating the ball. I, I, I think it's fair to say that what's coming up in, what is it, two weeks with the Jets yeah. is when we'll have a yeah, firm grasp. Friday against the Steelers as well. Yeah, exactly. First yeah. thing against the Steelers as well, which I think it's probably meaningless of who, I mean, I, is it meaningless you think whoever comes out first? Yeah, absolutely. Probably meaningless. Yeah. Oh, here goes, here comes Devin White. All right, let's go to it live. Devin let's White's go to it live. At training camp here. Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, you know, just got to be around the family a lot. Just focus, oh, get my mind right. There came a point in what we're talking about. Where do you stand from a mindset now? And just is it disappointing to you still that you have a long to do? Uh, you know, I just wanted to be the guy here for a long time. But uh, actually, after really just sitting down with Coach Bowles and uh, Jason Light, you know, just understanding they plan for me and, you know, what they got in play and, you know, just coming up with some with them guys just to, you know, see how I could be better and, you know, moving forward, I think we all came to a good agreement and, you know, that's why I'm here just focusing on the season now. A lot of fans were, were kind of surprised and maybe upset because yeah. you've got a lot of fans. Yeah. And and when you say I want to be traded because I'm not getting paid, yeah. uh, was there is there any regret um, on your part looking back? Yeah, uh, as far as regret, I don't think it's no regret. And I don't, uh, I don't think it's just about being paid. It's just about being a guy who was drafted here, you know, and doing a lot for this program. Just want to be the long-term guy, you know, just want to be a guy like Levante. He was, he been here forever. I wanted to be that next guy. And, you know, we just didn't make it happen when I wanted it to. And that's why I kind of got a little selfish, you know, even knowing I still had the fifth-year option and that was a thing in play. And, I mean, I guess early on you don't realize it. You just know, like, hey, I'm at the end of my contract. You know, let's, let's get it in. Lock me in. I know I feel comfortable here. I love the coaching staff here. I love all, you know, the teammates, even the fans, you know, the ones that went against me or the ones still with me. You know, it's all love. But at the end of the day, you know, I thought that was what was best for me, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm still here. And I came back with a positive mindset, and I'm locked in. And, I mean, y'all That's been awesome. watching practice. I've been getting it in. You know, I've been trying to be the leader for this team because, I mean, we got a, uh, a great bunch this year, you know, and I think we can get it done. This is exactly what we needed to hear. What's your opinion on some of the, of the younger rookies here? Yeah. Yaya Diaby, Servasier Dennis. Those guys have been making some plays for you. What's your assessment of them so far? Oh, man. I think Jason and uh, Ty, even when B.A. was here, I think they go get some of the best guys that come in and be fit players, you know, guys fit for this uh, for this team. And, uh, and that's why you see those guys making plays. You know, I think they do a really great job of evaluating players and going to get players that they can plug and play. And, uh, I mean, I'm really excited for especially the, all the guys they got on defense. I don't know how it's going to work because there's so many good ones. But, man, I know they're going to find their way on the field just by going so hard in practice. You know, it, they, you know, you'd rather say whoa than sick them. You know, so I think they're doing a good job, and I'll be in their ear. And I'm just motivating them, man, because, I mean, we need them. We need all hands on deck to be who we want to be. 
speak to your relationship with Todd Bowles and Larry Foote, what they mean to you both personally and just your growth as a linebacker. In this yeah, uh, I'll go on Bo Coach Bowles first, man. I think he, uh, like more than anything, he's a father figure, you know. Uh, man, he always been there for me. You know, uh, a lot of people know his wife from Louisiana, so I get invited and I get a lot of meals from their house and stuff. You know, and, uh, man, just obviously just having an open-door policy. You know, I go up there and watch a lot of film with them, just try to correct myself and, you know, own in to my mistakes and get better, you know. And I think that's the thing about him. You know, he's always willing to help somebody grow. And just Larry Foote, man, I think he, he's just too smart. You know, it's, it's hard to keep up with him. You know, he always trying to teach different techniques and, you know, kind of just put you in that mode where you could be even faster, even smarter. So, it's, man, I'm taking everything in and just, you know, just trying to be – basically a sponge with those guys because at the end of the day I might not have them forever but while I got them I'm trying to take advantage of it. Uh, you're going into another year in Tampa Bay uh, coming to camp. What are some of the things uh, about your game that you like right now heading to camp and what are some things that maybe you can do to improve on uh, I think some things that I improved on that I'm very happy with is just uh, my uh, zone drops, just uh, being a great vision player and not taking the right angles and, you know, just really getting a lot of pass breakups and getting my hands on the ball, being around the ball even more. I think, you know, we always been so locked in as a you know, a, a man pressure team, and I'm just locked in on the back, you know, whoever it is. Now we're kind of switching it up, and we, you know, coming from all angles. So now I'm just, you know, being able to uh, get that repetition. And, you know, obviously, man, you always want to get better at everything. You know, you don't do nothing good. Nobody does nothing good. Yeah. I think any time we ask about contract issues with players, we hear that it's business. It's kind of part yeah. of the deal. Do you, do you feel like you've been embraced by your, your teammates the same way that's all coming back? Oh, yeah, man. First day I came in, you know, I'm the one left the huddle. You know, uh, like I said, like it is business. It's all business at the end of the day. You know, it's it's going to happen. You know, I hate that it had to happen that way because I love being here. Like, I can't overexpress that enough. Like, everybody know my love for horses. I got a nine-star born in, in Florida, you know. So, I want to be here. I want to be established here. But, that's I mean, that's, that's in the past now. You know, I'm going out there. I'm trying to focus on what I can do better, you know, to set myself up for what I want. And, you know, it can't be denied. So, Fantastic. I think that's the only thing. But even with me doing that, I'm still doing it within a team effort. You know, I'm just trying to uh, be the perfect teammate for my guys. And, you know, I want to be a captain again. That was one thing. Like, I... Like, a lot of stuff was hard. Like, sitting out was hard, and I wasn't really sitting out because I still came in the building, you know, because I want to be here. But at the end of the day, man, uh, that's over with. I'm on the field. I'm going hard, and I'm embraced by all the guys. I'm out there working and making them better. They're making me better. Awesome. It's amazing to have Levante back, and, you know, what does Levante mean to you this year as you guys go into another season? Yeah, I mean, Levante mean the world to me just ever since my rookie year, and I know every team that wanted him, and I was telling him he couldn't go, and I was making it hard on the team that wanted him just – I was just being negative to him because, I mean, at the end of the day, I love playing beside him, man. He he, the best vet I ever had. You know, he's always made everything around me easy, and I think I, I've been doing the same for him as well, you know. You know, I asked him, hey, you want to wear the mic this year, and I can just focus on lining up and playing. He's like, nope, that's your job. So I think, uh, man, it's a it's a, it's a love-love relationship with us too, man. I'm just excited, and I just keep telling like, keep going. You know, we were just looking, and uh, – Somebody uh, just signed with the Panthers one more year. I said, what year he in? He was like 14. I was like, oh, yeah, you got three more in you. So I think, man, it's just motivation just seeing him do what he do at a high level just make me just want to keep going and just have fun, man, because there's a guy I love being around him. You know, I know his fam. He know my fam. And, like, he cool with my mom. I'm cool with his wife and, you know, everything. So I think it's a love-love relationship. Yeah, you sat down with Jason and Todd. What were they part on you to kind of get you to kind of reset and go forward? Oh, I mean, they just told me they always had a plan for me. You know, they always had a plan. You know, they uh, know what was going on, what they did, you know, as far as 
everything, you know, helping us get that Super Bowl. Like a lot of stuff, you know, it ain't really too much to speak on. But, you know, I believe in their plan. I believe in their plan when they drafted me, you know. So I'm going to keep believing in their plan. I'm going to keep working hard. And I'm going to just beat me, you know, at the end of the day. Man, whatever you do, you just leave it all out there. And I think it's already written. You know, that's my mindset. It's already written. What's for you is for you. You know, you just got to be a little patient and, you know, be, be even more humble. You know, that was a time that humbled me. And I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm grateful I went to it. I seen a lot of people turn on me. A lot of people go against, go with me. But it is what it is. I do this for my family and the people that I play, that I line up with. And, you know, the other guys on the other side of the ball. I do this for them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for it all. You know, it is what it is. How great is it to have Shaq Barrett out there? And what have you seen from him so far in this camp? Shaq is Shaq, man. You know, he was always our diamond in the rough. We came here together. And, you know, uh, he, he's been a monster. You know, just for me having him on the field, you know, I think it take a lot of pressure off me blitzing in the middle because they got a block out to him. You know, last year when he went down, I started getting a little double teaming up in there. So I'm just ha I'm happy for that reason. You know, he can get all the attention because he's one of the best pass rushers, you know, in the league. So I'm, I'm just happy to be playing with my brother. Speaking about blitzing, you're one of the best blitzing linebackers in this league. You've come yep. fairly close to leading this team in sacks yep. when you had nine and then yep. five and a half last year. Is that one of your goals? Is that how you you motivate yourself? You want to be a, the leading sacker of the month? No, nah, it's not my goal. Uh, I want to be a complete overall linebacker. You know, I want to be like, hey, he's the best linebacker, not just the best blitzing linebacker. And, you know, uh, I got a lot of work to do, but I'm willing to do it, you know, and I'm willing to uh, hone in on everything I don't do good because that's the title I want. You know, right now it's two guys that got the title, and, you know, I think me and Levante, we ain't too far, but, you know, obviously Fred Warner and Roquan, you know, them two guys, they pretty, they set the bar pretty high last year. And, I mean, I know where work needs to be done, and I'm going to do it. You know, I know what I'm capable of, and, you know, I told Levante we're going to push each other, you know, because we, we always need to be the guys that they talk about being two best linebackers in the league. We fighting for one and two, or one A, one B. And that's just my mindset, you know, and I'm and I can put it out there, you know, I can tell anybody, and that's what it is. Carlton said that the people that don't believe in this team they're in for a rude awakening. Yeah. Antoine's one of those guys that's like, I'm not worried about what anybody else is saying. Where do you fall on that and what message do you have for the naysayers that don't believe in the uh, Buccaneers team? Man, I'm glad those guys said that. You know, that's a strong thing to say, but uh when you know you got the guys that can back it up, you know, just going out there uh, playing with one another, man. We we look great together. You know, we flying around. The communication is great. And, man, obviously we know defense lead championships. You know, I still go back, you know, and I try to not to harp on the last seasons. Uh, but when we was really, really at our best, you know, we, we was getting it done. But we got overlooked, you know, by one of the greatest, the greatest player to ever play the game. But now it's a different situation. So maybe this time when we come around and we top five defense in the league, we won't get overlooked because we don't have, you know, the, the biggest name in football, you know, and, I, and I'm ready, you know, I, I think everybody, you know, we're going to probably take it by storm, but we're going to take it one game at a time, and we're going to, you know, go out there and we're going to execute. What's the goal as an entire unit for the defense? Is it, you know, least amount of points in the league? Is yeah. it more turnovers? What is it? I think our goal is always... Uh, 17 points or less, but uh, we want to get we want to establish back being a dominant run defense. When we first got here, we was always a dominant run defense. I think last year we slacked off tremendously, and I think that's the uh, biggest thing that we've been focusing on. And obviously, we we slacked off the back end got better, so we need to catch back up to them to be a complete defense. All right. Wow, that's a wow. I'm so happy to hear. Did you see the smile on my face when he started talking? I was like, come oh, man, thank you, Devin. Thank you. That's all you had to do, man. That's all you had to do. That is such a difference maker for this team. 
and and this and this, the fans and everybody. We can all jump back on that horse with him now, and see that because I thought he was sincere. I thought he I, I thought he hit all the points. He said he was selfish about his social media antics and trade requests. That I'm locked in. I need to go out and prove it. I I'm, I was humbled by this whole thing. Some people stayed with me. Some people jumped off. We didn't jump off, Devin. We were trying to get you back with us. You jumped off. You went on a different little trail there with your horse. We were trying to get you back on with the cavalry here. And now you're back with us. And all is forgiven. Let's go. Let's go. I think that that is a tremendous development here today. It absolutely is. I'm sure there are lots of Bucks fans who are still, you know, probably irritated, pissed off, whatever the word is, at what happened in the, the offseason. But, you know, he said it's in the past, and it is. He showed up to camp, and for me, when he showed up to camp, that was my moment where I'm like, okay, he's here. Hopefully he's locked in. Let's just move on. Let's go forward, and hopefully he has a great season. Not saying I want to pay him $20 million still, even if he does have a great season. I probably don't, but let's go out there and he's going to be crucial to the Bucks' success. We know that. Mm-hmm. We don't need him being a liability like he was for large stretches of last year and hopefully has a new kind of outlook on this whole thing. And, you know, in, in regards to endearing yourself back to the fan base, he, he said that he hit all the points. I want to be a Buck for life. I want to be a long-term guy like Levante, right? It tells me that he probably spoke to Levante about these things. And Levante probably talked about him, the importance mm-hmm. of just showing up, doing your work, staying low-key, and the money will come, right? And, you know, I hope it happens because, like I said, the Bucks are going to need him, but that is definitely a great start. And dare I say something I wasn't expecting to hear. Yeah. I, I wouldn't ex- It was almost like over-the-top, like, refreshing. Yeah, yeah. This was not last year's bullshit mea culpa. Right. That, no, that's not what this is. That was, he was sincere. I, I think he, you know, I, exactly. Think of all the people that came to him, you know, Larry Foote, I'm sure, with the champagne problems. Um, Todd Bowles, you know, probably said, listen, man, you know. And Jason Light, he said he talked to them and he explained what their plan is. You know, and it, maybe it was just a, like, hey, man, we got to eat all this, you know, this cap uh, with Brady and, and, and some more next year and some other stuff. We got a plan for you. We just can't do it right now. But we also need to go out, you know, we need you to improve your game. Like we need you to, to to be better at this. Your drops. Right. We need to be you to be better at this. We need you to be better. And I think he he probably understood that he needs to get better at a lot of these areas in order to get that yeah. money. And if he wasn't locked in, regardless of what he said in there in that press conference, I mean, you look around the league. There's tons of guys who are not at training camp or they're just you know bystanders at training right. camp holding out and stuff like that. Give him credit. He never did any of that. Nope. He showed up from day nope. one. He did. And got to work. Whatever the whole thing that was going on with the, wasn't up to speed or something like that, remember? Yeah. Conditioning maybe? Yeah. I don't know. That was a little weird the first couple days. Yeah. But regardless of that. Were, I think they were setting him up. Yeah, I, think they, I, think, I think from what Light and Bowles said before he showed up, I don't, I don't, I think it was still very much up in the air whether he was going to practice. Well, unless I missed it too. I don't know when this conversation took place between him, Light, and Bowles. In the same my, room. My guess is it took place after those press conferences. That's my guess because I think I don't because otherwise, I think Jason Light would have said, "Oh yeah, he's locked in and ready to go. He's locked in." And I think Todd would have said the same thing. That's not what they said, right? <laughs> when they were asked if he was going to practice, so I think they probably had a meeting with him that night. They probably got wind that he wasn't going to practice, and probably had a meeting that night, and and you know. 
they came to the senses. He came to his senses. And I think everything he just said, look, and, and I'm here to tell you, when you're young and everybody, and, and Devin's, you know, he's a little on the immature side. I think we can all say that. Um, and he not, wasn't in that moment. No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, he wasn't. But these are growth moments. These right. are growth moments. And when everybody's telling you, hey, your agent's telling you, you're worth $20 million, bro. You're the best line. You, look, you just got on this list and this list and this list, and they don't want to pay you. They're effing you, man. They're effing you. You got to stand up. Don't go in there. He's got all these voices in his head. All these voices in his head. And, and, you know, and then he, you know, that he finally, you know, he's like, maybe he's like, uh, okay, we're not going to practice. And then he sits down with Jason Light and Todd Bowles, like he said, as a father figure. And you got, and at some point you got to say, it's not quantity of voices, it's quality. It's quality. Who do I really need to listen to? Todd Bowles? Yeah. Jason Light? Yeah. Shaq Barrett? Yeah. Rondé Barber? Yeah. You know, these guys are all saying this. I got a few. Let me let me look at the people who are saying this over here. Oh, my agent? Oh, he gets a cut of that contract, doesn't he? Yeah, it makes him look really, really good to get other players. Yeah, 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 yeah. All these other hangers on that just want, you know, just want to be in my yes men. As opposed to these other guys. Who should I be listening to? And that's in the mature moment you go, mm, yeah, probably my coach who loves me. And my general manager and my owners. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, chalk it up to a growth moment. I mean, if you still have bad feelings about Devin White, eh. I mean, I, we probably need to see more than just this press conference, okay? I want to see him improve his game. I want to see him keep this attitude through the whole year, right? So, but this is a tremendous start. This is a tremendous start for him and for the Buccaneers. He, we need Devin White to be great for this team to do anything this year. We do. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to say, oh, I'll give you, let's get Servassier Dennis in there, which we said. I would love, I mean, still want to said, see him at some point. Which we said. He's because, been like, like one of the standouts of camp. But if Devin came in here and was like, gave us the same thing he gave us last year or the offseason, mm-hmm. if he did that right here, I'd be like, get him out of here. Bring him in. Number eight, you're the starter. That's what I'd say today. But that's not what he said. He said, he said very much what we told, you know, what we suggested he should say. In the beginning of camp, I'm like, this is what he needs. Step to the mic, yeah. say all this stuff, and and and, and, and it's the beautiful over. thing is, it's it's out of the way. Right, it's over with before the first preseason game yep. has even begun. We have moved on from the Devin White situation. From here on out, the only thing that I will at least I will comment on is anything relating to his play when the regular season begins. Right, that's it. That's right, all we moved other, on. Unless he has other immature moments. Because I look at <laughs> right. But I look at everything else around this team, it seems like at least the air that I – it just seems like everything's been lifted, right, in my opinion. I agree. And I don't see anything else to derail this team from a, a drama standpoint now. I don't either. I, I, that, was, that was a great development today. All right, we got much more to get to. Um, the United States women's team, there's a lot of chatter about this team. Whose fault is it? What happened? Uh, I definitely have some thoughts on this matter. Uh, we've got some other race stuff we got to get to. More college football fallout. We'll give you the latest on that. Uh, lot, lots more to get to. I gotta. I, I have to tell you too. I'll tease this too. I'm going to tell you the one reason. The one reason why Wander Franco has turned things around. Oh, oh, I am interested a secret, in that. A secret key to this. Brought to you by the Italiano Insurance Company. They are the best in the business. Great customer service. Just allows me to save me a thousand bucks. On my auto insurance premium, they can do that for you as well. 813-877-7799. Great folks over there. Back in three.
right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad, was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients but it's the customer service that sets them apart they can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice generated robot these are confusing times for homeowners and italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation home auto business life it's italiano for all the pieces of your life Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244.
Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated. EPI, you've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events. The biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well. Uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. Hi, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show brought to you by Extravaganza Productions Incorporated. They are the best. Whether you got a meeting, a charity event that you got coming up, a big birthday party you want to produce, they will do it professionally and at a great cost and give you great creativity as well. In fact, they will give you a free creative session with them. Just uh, go to the website, EPI, that's extravagantaproductions.com, and set up your free creative. They'll give you a little tour of their warehouse, which is worth it, just that, with all the props they have in their huge warehouse. You can come up with a theme, and they'll, you can have a great time doing it and produce it in a professional way. They are the best in the business, from big events to small. They do it all. Extravaganza Productions. Give them a call over there. Tell them JP sent you. Um, all right, I wanted to get to some of the Rondé stuff here. Um, before we get into that, because we were just talking about this text from Alexi Lawless, or a tweet that he put up there. Why don't you read that tweet? Because I think it's a good preface for what I'm about to say. All right, so this was Alexi Lawless yesterday after the loss. And if you don't know, men's national team captain many, many years, one of the leading voices of not only world soccer, but especially national team soccer. Don't kill the messenger. This U.S. women's national team is polarizing. Politics, causes, stances, and behavior have made this team unlikable to a portion of America. This team has built its brand and has derived its power from being the best slash winning. If that goes away, they risk becoming irrelevant. 100% true. 100% true. And I know a lot of people want to ignore the politics of this, and if I had my druthers, I would keep politics out of sports all the time. But that is not the real world that we live in, and to ignore it is ignorant, quite frankly. Um, This is obviously something that was part of this team. And from a tactical and talent standpoint, to think that Megan Rapinoe belonged on that field with the other talent, I would say that's wrong. And I would also say that in judging from comments from team members that have played for this team for many, many years and no longer are, there was definitely a rift on this team between the more socially active players and the ones that just wanted to play soccer. I don't think there's any question that this idea to keep the older guard around with the younger guard was a disaster. And very much so from a 
tactical standpoint, to say that politics did not hurt this team is, I think, again, as Alexi said, it's 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 evident. You don't have a fall off this dramatic and say it had nothing to do with it, that it was just on the field stuff. The rest of the world is catching up. That's true. You didn't score for 256 minutes. You beat Vietnam, and not right. very well. This was a dreadful performance. There was no cohesion to this team. The coaching staff was over their skis. And if there are certain players and groups on the team that don't get along with the others or younger players that feel they were forced into some stances that they didn't necessarily agree with, it's hard to get chemistry going on the field. Well, here's all to say. And I think it very much played. I never, I'm not rooting against them. I would never do that. But I would also never take a knee with a USA jersey on, like many of them did. And that's just the facts of it. Okay, so here's my... You may very well be correct in your assumptions. That being said... Now, there were many facts in there. Well, I, uh, Some of them were, were assumptions, but there's a lot of facts. We're, not, we're not around this team. They're you know thousands of miles away in New Zealand. I don't Did know. they not take a knee? No, I'm talking about that, uniform? but I don't know if that... I'm talking about to the performance of this tournament, I don't know the correlation. All I'm going to tell you is, at the end of the day, from what my eyes saw, is this was a changing of the guard in sense this World Cup with the roster that was assembled. You had a lot of the old guards still there. And by the way, I'm not here to tell you you have to kick the old guard to the curb. They got the job done at three World, or two World Cups in a row. Damn right. Okay? For... Whatever you feel about Megan Rapinoe as a, as a person and things like that, I know how you feel. I might even have some other opinions on it. The, she is a, one of the most talented players that this federation, this soccer federation, has ever had. There is no debating that. Not and a anymore. very integral, I'm getting there, <laughs> very integral part to the first two World Cups that they won. 100%. 100%. And sometimes in sports, even if that talent has diminished, they get older, it's still hard to give him a nudge out the door, especially with her, like her personality is, I would say, is very dominant. And I think when you think of the team, you think of Megan Rapino. You think of her being, you know, the leader of the team. There's something to be said about that. Um, so I don't know if I would have necessarily left her off the squad going into the World Cup. I can tell you this. I wouldn't have played her as much as she featured because... Again, she's older. The game is faster. It's nothing, it's nothing against her. It's just not. It's just the way it goes. I would have not have had her on the field as much as she was in the capacity that she was in. And I think it showed in her performance. It just wasn't up to par. And it's not just her. It's Alex Morgan. Everybody loves Alex Morgan. Okay, mm-hmm. again, she's up there on the probably the Mount Rushmore, you can make an argument, of U.S. Women National Team players. Her performance in this World Cup I'm sorry, was just not up to par. Mm-mm. It just was, and it pains me to say that because mm-hmm. these are players we think fondly of. I love them, but they, their performance was not there, and they, it's proved to me that the their days of being in the World Cup is probably over, and it's time for the new guard to take over a little bit. And we had a lot of young talent. You didn't get enough out of them. Sophia Smith was supposed to be this was supposed to be her tournament. Right. Not going to throw dirt on her. She's a very young player. It's a tough situation to walk into. But they went 210 minutes without scoring a goal. The only game you won was against Vietnam, who probably wouldn't have even been in the World Cup if it wasn't for it being expanded to the 32 teams being. Of course, yes. Okay? And then the way it went down last night, or early morning, whatever it was, in the game, 
listen, it was it was hard. It was cruel yeah. the way it ended. Yeah. I mean, Elisanair makes the save, and I mean a millimeter, if that, that the ball crossed the line. That is a hard way to go out. It is. But listen, if two of your a, two of your Portugal most senior shot players. Was a millimeter to the left. Right. It's a game of it. It's sports, how sports it. goes. They even got out of their round. It's how sports goes. Yes. So that's why it's hard to like really go. Oh well, that was so lucky because listen, you had opportunities. You could have done something in the. And I know the coach Vladko said after you know we thought we flexed our muscles in this match and we deserved to win. Well, you didn't. You didn't score a goal. And the end of the day, you got to put the ball in the back of the net. It didn't happen. Right. And I think he bears a lot of the blame. And if we're holding this team to the standards, number one team in the world and what they've done, this was a failure. A this disaster. was an, a disaster. And a I think disaster. I think first and foremost, the old guard probably you won't see them again. I know this is this was it for Rapino, but as much as it pains me to say it, probably it for Alex Morgan as well. At least playing, at least being a starter on this team. Mm, yeah. At least being a starter on this team. But I think the head coach, I think the manager's got to go. Oh, absolutely. That's you cannot not even, fail like this yeah, and go. That's not even a question. And when you don't win the group that you should have won, this is what happens. You've got to play the number three team in the world in the round of 16, which is typically not what the U.S. plays in the round of 16. Right. It's just the way it happens. Your own fault. And the other things about it, and you mentioned a little bit, yes, the world has caught up to this team. It's not exactly the U.S.'s fault necessarily it's just you know this country gets a lot of flack i think for the treatment of women and i'm not saying we're perfect i don't think anybody's perfect but i think you would agree this country came around a lot faster than a lot of other countries in regards to accepting women's sports of course and investing we in it the world in that and by the way 90 percent of the players in the world cup play in college or played in college in the united states right so my point with saying that is i think as time has gone on other countries have started to invest a little bit and you're seeing their generation their best generation has come up now and it coincided again with the changing of the guard this was right place right time for the rest of the world to take advantage Mm -hmm. and the u.s i don't want to say they were a sitting duck but they just were kind of, uh, I think, a victim of the circumstances still got to play better i would agree with that. and the standards are held i would agree with that but that's kind of the way i summed it up a little bit and yes, to what Alexi Lawless said, again, regardless of how I feel about it, I think if you're being objective, you have to acknowledge that everything that's happened in the last five years, yes, a portion of America did turn off the U.S. women's national team, and quite frankly, we're open, openly rooting against them, I would say. Well, I, and I, I don't agree with that. And I will say this, you know, and I, I agree, and I've said this about Colin Kaepernick, I'll say it about Megan Rapino. She absolutely has the right to take a knee, and that's what's great about our country. But you, you also are going to deal with the, with the fallout of that. And in, in, in certain situations, I just, I just can't stomach that. If you're playing for a national team, yeah, I, I think you, you're my, given the opportunity, you should at least have the respect in that moment to respect your national anthem that gives you that yeah, I was gonna say and use your platform in other ways to get your point across. I was going to say, I'm not, it's, you know me, I don't like getting into these issues. Right. But I will say, from my point of view, I have no problem if you want to do that in the NFL or something like that. But when you put on that jersey and you put on that crest, and these players talk a lot about how they're so proud of putting on the crest, but then to do what they did years ago, that didn't sit well with me because it was on the national stage and you were representing the country. That's what bothered me in particular. Did it make me openly root against them? Hell no. Okay, I woke up early in the morning. I was debating if I wanted to just because it was so early. I woke up early in the morning that day and watched the entire game Yeah, because I wanted to root on this team because I think the U.S. women's national team at points throughout their run here has been one of the teams that we've 
generally rallied around and we've kind of hugged around and we've, you know, we all watch it and we get into soccer for the month that it's going on and everything. Right. Love it. Absolutely love it. But if, but I would be lying if I said, if I said it, it didn't take some of my enjoyment out of it. I would be lying because I think the way Megan especially went about her business, and by the way, for the equal pay, for the equal eyeballs that you brought and the equal income that you brought, absolutely for that. I'm not, not against that. Um, her, her right to take a knee, fine. But all, so many of her comments and the way that she's handled herself has been, I mean, racist comments that she's made, horrible things that she's said. And from what, given the quotes from other girls that have played with her, you know, and, and then she's just, then they've gotten destroyed for what they said for them. She can have her opinion to be as loud as obnoxious as she wants. But if anybody else has a different opinion against her, like Lexi Lawless, like Carly Lloyd, like everybody, you get buried. You don't know what the F you're talking about because you don't want to criticize the golden child of, of what she stands for. That's not fair. And I think she took it over the top. This, this team was not together. It was divided. And a lot of it had to be the, the, the iron hand that she has held over this team for at least the last three years. And I think and, I, and when she's gone, I think things will rapidly improve. So, I, again, I say this with, you know, I, I'm not against what she did in terms of her right to do it and do so. I think her methods were way over the top, way over the top. There's a measurement to it. And I think that caused a lot of the issues of, of this team. That's just my personal. And I, I hate again. I hate the fact that it divided oh. so many people in the country. Yeah. And I hate and I and I mean and that I think in everything. You could have done it in a certain way that that and didn't I, happen. And I mean that not just if it was her cause. If you were on the other side of the spectrum and you were running your mouth about other things, I feel the same exact way. I don't like it anywhere. I don't care if you have the opinion. And you're on the right side of the social issues aspects, or you're on the left side of the. I don't really give a damn. I don't like hearing it regardless right. in my sports. Like, again, I, I just if, don't. If I could take it all out of politi- politics, out of sports, if I could wave a magic wand, because regardless, I'll be the first one to sign up. Because regardless of how that person feels and how they think their message is coming about, when you get into politics, and this is why I stay the hell away from it, when you do it, in my opinion, you cut everything down the middle. You cut everything down the middle, and in the world you live in now, there are a lot of people who can't acknowledge other people's beliefs and mm-hmm. still like that person. Right, which is ridiculous. Or, or whatever. Okay, so that's why my take has always been just to stay clear of it, don't worry about it, move on, and keep it sports. And I wish sports were still like that. And I think to an extent we've gotten better of, I think, living with it a little bit, right? But again, it does make me sad that a lot of the, the team had to kind of deal with the fact that everything was divided. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't everybody that was trying to put these messages out there. But it happened. And, and I'll say this. Some of the criticism of Megan Rapinoe is way over the top. And yes. the outward, the outward disgust and rooting against the team, I'm not okay with that. Right. I'm not okay with that at all. So, again, there are levels and there's nuance to all of this. Don't, you know, if you say anything negative about Megan Rapinoe, I'm sure there's some people out there who go, oh, JP, he hates Megan Rapinoe. And it was, she, it was all against it. He hates the, he was rooting against the team. That's bullshit. No. There's, there's certain things that she has done, as I just outlined, at that where I think we're way over the top. She could have done exactly what she's done in the positive things that have happened from her leadership, the equal pay, and some of the other things without being yeah, and, so and ridiculously and offensive to a lot of people. Yeah, and, I think, and I, think, I think a lot of people, and this again, this comes with being the leader and the most senior player on the team. I get it. But a lot of people are pointing to the fact, well, what did she contribute here? And I'm here to tell you she shouldn't have been out there in the first place, and I, that's not her fault. 
I think that's on the coach. Yes. First and foremost. Yes. Because but a lot of people had they sat her down, you know the cacophony of voices that would have been amplified by our media. Oh, she she stood up as a courageous woman, and what did they do to her? They sat her down. No, they sat her down because she couldn't play anymore at that level. At the at the level that's to what, be a but, contributor, right? So to and you know that that's the only right. reason. So if she they misses. Had sat her down, it would have been an absolute right. So she misses. Storm. So she misses a penalty. And by the way, she hasn't missed a penalty going back to 2018. This is something that does not happen, and that's why they had this reaction. And by the way, people fools out there who are like, "Oh, did you see her? She was laughing after she missed a penalty kick." Come on, people, don't take that the wrong way. She was laughing because she could not believe in that moment she of what just right. happened. She just missed. She said it was like a sick joke, I think is the word she said. Yeah. Okay? So please, people, stop playing that, that highlight and putting everything on her. Okay? There's 25 other people right. on that team I agree. that had to perform. She wasn't the only one that missed a, a penalty kick. That's right. Kelly O'Hara, another one of the most senior players, a part of these World Cup winning teams. Guess what? She missed the penalty, too. And you had 210 minutes where you did nothing offensively. Exactly. End of story. It's not all in Megan Rapinoe. I know she's going to be the face of this whole thing, but it's not just her. The whole team failed. End of story. It, it's, it, it's sad. It's sad. The whole damn thing was sad. All right, let's um, – uh, how many more? We get one more break we need to hit? Yeah, we do because we're a little behind today on breaks. Okay, well, let's go ahead and do the, the Ronde clip right now then. Or should we hit the break? We'll hit the break and come back. All right, hit the break, and uh, we'll come back, and we'll do this Ronde clip. There's a couple things in there that I really wanted to touch on. What a, what a great speech he made in um, one of the greatest eras of Buccaneer football. The, in my mind, the greatest era. The greatest era of Buck, Buck football now has five Hall of Famers. That's that's impressive and obviously deserved. Uh, we're brought to you by the great folks at the Gold and Diamond Source. Hey, folks, if you've got some flatware laying around, any type of silver or gold bullion coins or anything, now is a great time to get in there and get cash for them. They will give you the best and the most for it. Get a great deal. Gather it all up. Just bring it down there. They accept things that most other people do not. So bring it all down there and see what you can get out of it. It's just sitting around your house, right? The Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Omerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. Back in three. Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. 
Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fanstream Sports. All right, back. We are here. Thank you guys so much for joining us, whether you're joining us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, at fanstreamsports.com, the jpetersonshow.com, RHSTV, where we are right now in our studios here in St. Petersburg. It's a great way to watch the show. Download the RHSTV app. That app was kicks ass. Just be quite honest. And the, uh, the Fanstream Sports app as well. Yes, Fanstream Sports app. Download that app and just tap that app and it just the show will start right up for you. Uh, sometimes it takes about 10, 15 seconds to load because we do two hours every day. But just be patient and it'll pop right up and then you can fast forward and do go wherever you want and uh, real easy to listen to the show. So we thank you guys for joining us as football season picks up. We're getting bigger numbers and bigger numbers. And if you want to advertise on the show, just email me, jp at thejppetersonshow.com. Pretty simple, jp at thejppetersonshow.com. We'll get you signed up. we got some new advertisers coming on board for football season. Excited about that. So if you want to be part of the show, support the show, support what we do, because uh, I think we're an independent voice that you won't hear a lot of what we talk about in other places. In fact, I know that because we are an independent voice. We're not corporate controlled, but uh, also we need your support. So we'd love to um, to get that support in any way you want to do it. Just email me, jp at the jppetersonshow.com. We, don't, we, we get some, like, pay link on here. Can we get, like, a pay link on here where people can tip us? Like there's something like that on YouTube, right? So we got we got to get one of those things, um, so you guys can can tip us if we, you like our takes. That would be nice. Or just you know, Venmo me, man. <laughs> you can always do that. That's what I did to the bartender at uh, Ronde's. Um, think is you know you don't nobody carries cash anymore, right? I don't carry cash anymore. And I'm like, hey man, he's serving us drinks all night. I'm like, dude, you've been great. Let me Venmo you. He's like, yeah, right here on my phone, right on the. You know, get the barcode and off you go. That's great. I love that part about it. So we should put our like, we should put our little like, oh my uh, goodness, hold our, up. our little, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? The not the barcode, the the QR code. QR code. Yeah. This just reminds me real quick of something that happened at the concert on Saturday. 
I was buying it. And you know how I feel about this whole thing where you tap the cards and all that? I don't understand it. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> you don't understand that? I've never. So, I pay with my phone all the time now. I used to have the card on the but I don't even need a card anymore. You just pay with your phone. Right. So I'm at, I'm at the concert, and I'm buying a beer at, the, at one of the vendors. Right. I told the guy, I was like, he, like, he like turned the thing in front of me, and I'm like, do you have like a chip anywhere? And he goes, oh, you just tap it. And I said, I said, what? And he's like, you just tapped your card. And I looked at my card, and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And Casey's like, you just tap it. <laughs> just hold it up there, dude. And so I did it, and all of a sudden it worked. And I said, that's it? And he goes, that's it? And I said, oh, I said, I've never, I said, I've never tapped it before. And he goes, oh, well, now you have. You're, you're a tapper. And I'm like, I walked away. You looked at Casey and went, <laughs> Sorry to I, hear that. I walked away and I was like, the way I said that came off really, really yeah, odd. It did. When I said, like, yeah, I've never tapped it before. It and the guy was like, well, now you say you can. <laughs> and I was like, I just broke my brain. I was like, I cannot believe I said it like that. It, the worst part about this, and everybody <laughs> will agree with me, and look, I, I, I love to support hardworking people. I really do. But some of this is getting ridiculous. I'm not tipping the person at 7-Eleven who's ringing me up. You know now you like they have they turned the thing around. Oh my around, goodness! And you have to. I have to I'm tipping you fifteen percent because I just went. Every and got time, my, my, every my time drink, I go to every time I, I uh, the, you did nothing but stand there. Why am I tipping? And twenty, you tip twenty percent for a waiter that waits on you, goes back and forth to the kitchen, brings you the twelve sodas you're gonna have. You know, and like like even when you it's, do buffet, it's like even when I like go buffet, through the, um, I'm, give, I'm not giving you twenty percent, right? Like, even when I go through, like, the drive-thru, like, hey, Kawa Coffee does this, actually, and this is why I don't go there as much. I go through the drive-thru, and they flat-out ask you, would you like to leave a tip? And, like, through the drive-thru. And I've, like, I've never, like, you tip yeah. during, over the drive-thru? Since when? Not anymore. But I feel bad, because I'm, like, they're, like, would you like to leave a tip? And I'm just, like... Yeah, and it, it, but it's, like, <laughs> when you're giving me some service, that's a service, that's a tip is for... Service, you're like not, you're doing your job. Like all I did was order a uh, like a, all I get is like a black coffee. You're just right. literally getting it like you're hitting a button and letting it come out of this thing. You're not doing anything. Like why do I? Jo- you get paid for that. Like no offense. Like why do I need to leave a tip for that? But the tips are supposed to be when you do you give great service. Like did you give great service? Did you tell me a joke over over the intercom? Did you greet me with a? Normally it's like uh, you, you know now it's automated. Now it's all automated. <laughs> you know they don't even greet you anymore. So yeah, after that. <laughs> Golly, I'm leaving you a tip for, for what'd you do? That's what I'm going to start saying. They say, would you like to leave a tip? Uh, did you do anything to get a tip? How about you say that? I said, I would love to. What did you do, to, what, what did you do above and beyond that you deserve a tip? <laughs> then you're even more of a jerk, And also, right? too, I adjust. Just because you waited on me doesn't mean I'm automatically giving 20% either. Right, exactly. Like I, 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 I you earned the 20%. Yeah, like I, I, I see how you did as a waiter slash waitress, and I adjust. Like I went out to get lunch before the concert, and the lady, I kept saying to Casey, I said, this waitress looks like she's like in a bad mood. Yeah. Like no smile. Yeah. Just very like yeah. short with you and everything. I'm just like came by like just to drop the food off and give me one round of drink, and I'm like, I don't think you earn twenty percent here. No, no. if it's bad service or not enjoyable, you get fifteen. You're still going to get fifteen. Yeah, but if you do just an average job, I'm going to give you twenty. If you do a great job, I'm going to give you twenty-five or more. Yeah, I don't automatically have to do twenty everywhere I go. But that's what's expected now. But when you don't do anything, like (laughs) even now, like if you pour me a beer at the Bucks game and it's twenty dollars, so now. I have to tip you 20% on $20. You poured a beer, and now you got $3 for that? $2? What? $3. 
No. I usually save like a dollar. For every drink I get, I give a dollar. Yeah. Like if That's you, like my rule of thumb, because too. Just because you have outrageous prices doesn't mean I have to chip by percentage. You know? Even give, you know, so you get $3 for three board beers that you just poured. I mean, I think we've done well here. Yeah. I didn't give you 20%, but you've done well. You know? So. Yeah. By the way, $20 for a Miller Lite at Raymond James. What are we doing, man? Oh. What are we doing? $20. Going over and taking it up, dude. That's what you're doing. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, get to the Rondi stuff. Can we please? Can we please? Um, what, a, what a tremendous speech. And, uh, boy, it was hot out there. It was hot, but it wasn't, it wasn't Florida hot, thank God. It was like, you know, mid-80s, not too bad. Uh, you could go, like, in the back and get a little shade, and which was kind of cool because I went back there, and, you know, you're seeing all these other Hall of Famers. I was chatting with different people back there. Uh, I'll tell you more about that. But let's get to Rondé. Uh, this was a portion of his speech at uh, Canton. Football heaven. Ah, so awesome to see him up there. So rightly deserved. And he was angry. There was a little Michael Jordan tinge to this, wasn't there? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, still angry. And I'm going to tell you a little bit up about my journey, because it's not a unique journey. I'm not going to stand up here today and give you ordinary, because I was not an ordinary cornerback. I stand that? here amongst these legends of the game, remembering a time when I was never imagined to be a Pro Football Hall of Famer. My rookie year, hell, my second year in league, I was literally just hoping Rich McKay wasn't going to cut me. <laughs> Come a long way in 26 years. You know... I was not Darrell Rivas. <laughs> Trust me, I was not that guy. But not all of us are anointed, right, or can't miss prospects proclaimed to be future Hall of Famers on day ones of our career. In fact, most guys way. are quietly fighting that little crisis of confidence, wondering if you're good enough. And there was plenty of doubt about me. Now that I'm here, I think I owe a very small thanks to those of you, for whatever reasons, questioned me, either undervalued, underestimated, underappreciated me. It gave me the motivation to not only outwork my peers, but to be better than the expectations of me. So I set out to become uncommon. I never set out to be one of the best 371 players in professional football. If anything, I wanted to do things that others either could not or would not do. That defined my career. And amongst my peers, I really felt like I had to do more to be equal. Yep. Do uncommon things. Find legendary. Because let's face it, this is what gets me every time. I was, what, too small, too slow, just a system cornerback. Somebody still needs to tell me what that is because I don't know. It's easy to be marginalized when you're surrounded by Hall of Fame defenders. Mm. Sap, Brooks, Lynch. Our man Simeon Rice, they all grabbed a lot of headlines. And early in my career, I was simply overlooked. And again, it was the doubt that most bothered me. But it also provided me that fuel, and it sent me to work angry. Angry. I was never going to be satisfied just being a guy. I wanted to prove everyone wrong. And ordinary was not an option. See, in my family, Legendary is a standard. Tiki, certainly not your ordinary running back. New York Giants all-time leading rusher, the only man in NFL history, according to Kenny Albert, to rush for 10,000 yards, catch 5,000 yards with the passes, and return 1,000 yards as well. True. Pretty awesome, Tiki, and spectacularly, too. Maybe he should be in the Hall of Without him, 
I wouldn't have had that daily reminder to chase greatness. And if you don't remember anything else I say today, remember this. I am here because of my brother. The inherent competition, the easy motivation to match accomplishments, and the unwavering, unconditional support that only a twin can know. You simply cannot tell my story without telling our story. We shared a lot. A womb, of course, an alma mater, children's books, Pro Bowls and All Pros. I've got more of those, of course. The lows and highs of this profession, but man, we had a fabulous football life. However, the single biggest reason I'm standing here right now is that little five-foot-nothing lady sitting in the front row. Geraldine Brickhouse Barbara Hale. Everything I learned in life, one way or another, came from her. To keep going, to don't quit, persevere. She's a single parent with too much to do and not enough time to do it. Working multiple jobs. But she possessed this self-instilled ability to force her will on her situation and not only succeed, but find a way to thrive. I've heard that phrase a lot in my life. Force your will on your opponent from a lot of coaches. But my mom showed me how to do this first. We were 19 years old, trying to find our way in college and on the football field when we learned that she was well on her way to beating breast cancer almost a year before we were even aware she was diagnosed. She never made... She never made her adversity our burden. And I love you for that, Mom. My mom, she's kind of a badass. I remember thinking at the time, too, if she could do that, what couldn't I do? Mom, you always told us to play proud, right? And I know you're proud right now. Tiki and I receive that same text every single Sunday. Play proud. I'm proud of being uncommon and doing uncommon things, reinventing what it means to play cornerback in the NFL. But y'all know I am most proud to call Geraldine Brickhouse Barbara Hale my mom. Amen. What a speech. I get emotional now just even remembering it. It was a tremendous speech, and it really encapsulated his career so very, very well. Um, I think the best speech of the weekend, I, I think quite easily. But uh, what, a, what, a, what, a, um, what a group, what a grouping it was. Um, you know, and even going back, back uh, in the, the back area and seeing some of the um, old Buccaneers that were there chatting with them and uh, the Glazers and, um, yeah, so many and fans, you know, just fans that, 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 that came there for Rondé. It was, it was a special, special, special day and doing it with my son. And then the, the postgame party was just, you know, fantastic. Yeah. And I, I just love too. like, there's only, he think he said it there at some point, there's only 23 corners in yeah. the pro football hall of fame. Yeah. Only 23. And I think Rondé's name has always kind of gone un untalked about I think yeah. when you think of the great corners in the game like yeah. even his career like he was probably overshadowed by some of the he was overshadowed by Chant Bailey he was overshadowed by Charles Woodson mm -hmm. some of these guys who maybe played in bigger markets or were larger personalities whatever the case may be yeah bigger college players right and they fit the bill of what a cornerback looks like and mm -hmm. did you know the typical things but as he said over and over it's about being unordinary uncommon is what got him to the dance to the point where that position is so important now, and you see teams always looking to find 
that slot corner, that nickel corner. And it's a very hard position to find. And I think, as he said, and I think everybody would agree, there's nobody in the game that's ever done it at that level. Well, you know, there's a lot of different names for this. Like when I was growing up, it was the bandit. You know, it was, you know, the bear. They would call it by the mascot. It was that, you know, it was you weren't a corner. You weren't a safety. You were sometimes an outside linebacker. You were, you know, in, in the Miami Dolphins defense, it was the 53 defense. It was that extra guy that you needed to be versatile and be able to do a lot of things. And that's why that line, you know, I, I did things that others would not and could not do or could not and would not do. And that's true. He could, you know, he could go out and cover Megatron on the outside but and then also uh, cover a, a you know a huge tight end on the inside, and stay in there and run support. Um, he could cover a back out of the backfield. He could blitz. He was a great blitzer, right? The only one with four, what forty eight career sev- uh, interceptions, twenty seven sacks. Um, only forty five twenty twenty players that's ever done it. The and the, the, the touchdowns. Only three other players, non offensive players, have more touchdowns than them, and they were all primary returners. I mean, those are big games. His tackles for loss. 88 tackles for loss, dwarf any of these other corners in the league, that in the Hall of Fame, dwarf, dwarf. We put the numbers up against Revis. So, it, 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 and, and now in the modern game, it's positionless. Let's just be honest. On defense now, these are all positionless places, right? You Sometimes you only have one cover corner in defenses. The other two guys are more hybrids. Sometimes you have three safeties. Sometimes you have two defensive linemen. Everybody else rushes the passer. So this whole idea of how many corners are in the game and how many good, you know, even comparing him with Darrell Revis is folly because they really played a totally different position. Right. They really did. And so I don't want to diminish his, you know, his, his, his because especially the corners, if you're great, yeah, and, and listen, nobody, nobody throws that. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a reason why too. Like right. Revis's numbers are nowhere near there. It's what, 28 picks. Yeah, Revis Island was a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Nobody threw towards the guy. Yeah. So how are you going to build up numbers when they just you just cut off half the field? Right. He's a guy that you had to watch the tape right. and all that to see his greatness. Right. So I think a lot of that gets overblown, but the, the, the sheer production that Rondé put out there is undeniable. Yeah. The numbers are undeniable, and they're not, they're, they dwarf most everybody yeah. other defender and, in the Hall of Fame. And, and God bless him for throwing Simeon Rice's name out there. Yeah, absolutely. My goodness. You talk, yeah. I, I don't know how much more times I could say it. A career, you talk about forgotten for how great he was. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Yeah. I, I, tr- I keep saying, I'm like, DeMarcus Ware is in the Hall of Fame. That's yeah. great. But, man, damn, if Simeon wasn't, wasn't identical. Yeah, and if you go back and watch that Super Bowl, of all the interceptions, you know, <laughs> most of them were caused by Simeon. You know, five interceptions, most of them with Simeon <laughs> breathing down Rich Gaines. Yeah, as, imp- as important to that team as yes. anybody. Yeah, he dominated that game defensively. I mean, you could have, you know, I love the fact that Dex Jackson got the MVP, and I'm glad it was a defensive player, but you could have given it to Simeon, you could have given it to Brooks. Dwight Smith. Dwight, you could have given it, you know, to every, and, and, and you know, it's great. It went to the, and Dwight, by the way, uh, Dex would be the first one to tell you that. You know, it was everybody. It was a team effort. Um, but that team now is solidified in the Hall of Fame. Four players, one coach, and Tony Dungy. Um, only one Super Bowl, which is, you know, sad a little bit. Not to, their, were, not to their fault. <laughs> no, no, no. That uh, As Chris Berman mentioned, they, they almost beat the Rams 6-5 to five in the championship game. And should have. Right. right? So um, what, what a weekend. What a great end. You know, I love that he says I don't have to be an angry worker any longer. And I think that's great because he's, you know, you, you, your football journey is over, my friend. You did it like nobody else. Mm-hmm. You were uncommon. You were extraordinary. You were not ordinary. Uh, you were one of one. You were one of one. 
So last thing before we go, I said I was going to mention it, the key to Wander Franco's turnaround. Yes, good tease. Which, by the way, I'm just going to preface this. Remember I said I wanted more, Wander Franco was leaving me wanting a little bit more mm-hmm. from what he is, and he was going through that slump and everything after everything that happened. He had a hell of a road trip. Probably the best player on this team the entire road trip. Yeah, and in those, in those nine games, he hit 389 with four home runs, and his defense, my God, insane insanity. He does not play defense like a guy who we thought was going to have to like not play shortstop anymore. Remember, right. the, remember all those discussions? <clears throat> yes. So he doesn't play like that. Hell of a talent. But you want to know what turned it around? What was it? Before this road trip, or the first game they were in Houston, rather, he met up with a certain person. Who? Lil Baby. <laughs> have you seen this? No, I have not. There's the picture of him posing with Lil Baby in Houston. And ever since then, Wander Franco has been on a heater. So I'm here to tell you the key 